news every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. It's Rabbi Ari Kievman here, and it's fabulous. Great to be with you here this afternoon. Did you know that Darche Noam School is hosting a water drive? And you could help them fill two giant trucks by next Wednesday, the 7th of February. They're collecting both drinking water and gray water for cleaning in any sealed vessel. So please label accordingly. All water could be dropped off at Darchenam School, 159 8th Avenue in Highlands North, or 52 Elray Street in Fairmount, anytime. The trucks are going to be driven down to Cape Town, and the water will be donated to Highlands House, the Jewish old age home there, as well as other needy establishments through our partner Jewish schools. So you could also donate, and they were going to purchase bottles on your behalf here in Joburg, because in Cape Town, it's already sold out. Donations can be made to Darchinam, FMB 626-956-6573. The reference is water. Watch this space as we announce further schools who have accepted the challenge and are partnering with us. Just spread the word. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great being with you here again. And as we have been previously talking about communication, one of the hardships, challenges that many people face these days, we're going to continue our discussion about communication. I just want to recap some of the ideas we discussed last week as some of the listeners requested. We talked about the idea that as human beings, we are social creatures. Speaking, communicating is literally as natural to us as breathing. It's what we human beings do. And in fact, if you look at the Torah's reference to the human being, you have the four categories of domim, the inanimate, tzomech, the vegetative, chai, the animal kingdom, or literally life. And then comes the human being who is called midaber. Although science might call us homo sapiens, referring to our intelligence, Judaism refers to the human being as midaber, as one who speaks as an articulate being. And in fact, the Torah says that 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 is a description of the human being as soon as God creates the human being. So let's just look, if we are created in God's image, let's understand communication from God's perspective. Firstly, we know that when God created the world, God created with ten utterances. The world was created with ten utterances. So how did God create the world? This week we're going to read about the Ten Commandments and the Torah portion as well. So that is anthropomorphic language calling God's speech. But what does it literally mean? The essence of God's speech is revelation. When God created the world, it was revealing God's creative energy. And likewise, in the Torah, the Torah is God speaking, but it's a revelation of God's will and wisdom. Well, of course... Like we said, we're created in God's image. So we human beings possess a spiritual soul and a physical body. But the fusion of the two, the synthesis of our body and soul, is revealed, is expressed. The expression of the soul is done through the body. And so when we communicate, we're communicating our soul. That means when we're speaking, it's not just words there's a lot much there's much more depth to it at the same time while speech is revelation we also have to recognize that we're not sharing everything we know we're not just blabbering on and saying everything that's on our mind so speech on the one hand is revelation at the same time speech is also concealment 
The ten utterances conceal most of divine life force. So when God expressed that creative energy in making this world, it wasn't all of God's creative potential. Obviously, there's more to that. And likewise, we wouldn't say that the Torah is the limitation of God's wisdom. We understand that God's wisdom is infinitely greater and deeper than just the Torah itself. But the Torah is a manifestation, it's a revelation of the divine wisdom. And likewise, I would say when we speak in human communication, our words are revealing, are expressing our feelings, our ideas, that what's on our mind, but it's not revealing everything. So, the definition of communication, which we discussed last week in much greater detail, which is revelation, there, the revelation is the main element, is the main idea, the main purpose of communication is to reveal. At the same time, yes, the concealment facilitates that revelation because you're not sharing everything. There's only what's relevant to be discussed, to be communicated. And that takes us to our relationships. And I think relationships are a very important thing to talk about because any relationship is contingent on both parties learning to communicate, to understand each other, male and female, in a, in a work, in, a, uh, in, in, any, in any industry, in any situation, whether it's at the shop, whether at the bank, whether at home, with whomever you're communicating, it's a communication. And relationships are so much dependent on the quality of the communication. So when we communicate and we reveal our feelings and we reveal our thoughts, that is expressive communication. And at the same time, if our words are camouflaging, are concealing our feelings, then we haven't really truly communicated. And it could indeed harm our relationships. So we have to remember that the deeper the communication the deeper the relationship. In fact, we see that in the biblical sense of Adam getting to know Eve, Adam yada et chava, what was it that made them so intimate? Intimacy is into me see. Communication is getting to know one another. And therefore, the Torah employs the language of knowledge because in a true relationship, one gets to know the other in a very deep way. And hence... If there's good communication, there's a good relationship. Interestingly, we see that the Hebrew word for a widow or widower is alman, almana, is related to the word ilem, which means a mute person. And in a sense, when one loses their spouse, the person with whom, they, with whom they've had the deepest relationship, if it was a healthy relationship with effective communication, then indeed they remain speechless. They, it's... They don't have anyone at that level with whom they can communicate any longer. And that's why it's important for us to really think about our communication. Not just in a marital relationship, but in any relationship. In a friendship, in work, whatever it might be. So, by emotionally revealing ourselves, there's a couple of very important tips that we didn't have time to talk too much in detail about last week. But that is I versus you. Oftentimes, people want to express their displeasure about a certain situation, about certain circumstances, and they might express it with you messages. And the problem with saying, you never do such and such, or you always, 
is that unfortunately the language, the tone, you dot 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 could oftentimes firstly be inaccurate because we don't know what the person always does or never does. So certainly it's inaccurate. Another problem we have is that it's very much attacking and puts people on the defensive. So if you want to avoid that, try to avoid the you kind of communication. And certainly I could speak from experience when someone comes to me in that way, it really shuts down conversation. It makes it difficult for us to communicate with individuals when it comes, when there's that accusatory tone. So what one could change is instead of saying, you don't care about me, maybe to express how I feel rather. And you could think about in so many circumstances and so many examples where the word you could be substituted with I. And instead of saying what you think the other person is doing, which might be accurate and might not be, we could reveal our feelings with I messages. And that is a much more meaningful connection because this is how I feel. And when one expresses the way they themselves feel, there's nothing inaccurate about that. I would prefer if you would do such and such. It's about me, not about you. Or you can make it deeper. You know, you talk about somebody, the typical example, you care more about your work than about the family. But that's accusatory. That's inaccurate. Because I'm sure the person who's saying that is feeling frustrated and that's why they're expressing it that way. But if they were to express what they themselves are feeling rather than what they are projecting on the other and say, well... I'm feeling very lonely at home and you know I'd really appreciate if we were able to spend more time together I'm sure the kids would love it too it's about me it's about I my feelings and I think that is much deeper and will go way further another benefit of communication that one should try to focus on is face to face communication the Torah uses that terminology about God and Moses even though no doubt God doesn't have facial features but the Torah does say that God spoke with Moshe Panim al panim, face to face. Of course, the Hebrew word for panim is very different than the English definition of face because in the regular lexicon, in colloquial word face is something external, maybe even superficial, it's a facade. But if you think about the real meaning of the word face, panim, the Hebrew word for it, panim, is panim, it's about inside our innermost feelings and in fact where are one's innermost feelings most visually expressed no doubt on one's face you see a person's facial expressions you get their body language you get the visual cues you see the way their eyes and the smile or the frown it's all on the face so I know it's easier to send a text or an email but if it's something important better doing it face to face like God spoke with Moses. Electronic communication is perfect for many of our very practical and utilitarian needs. It's a good supplement to face-to-face communication, but it's certainly not a substitute to face-to-face communication. And that is about communicating with another. And I think it's very important to be able to communicate with others, but it doesn't end there. Because we talked last week a lot about communication two-way. It's mutual. But there's a lot more to talk about in communication. I don't think it is a mute, it's this tit-for-tat, you talk to me, I talk back to you. We have to understand that communication 
is not just talking, but it also entails listening. And real listening is so critical. It is of vital importance to effective communication. But it ain't easy. It's certainly not easy. Try it yourself. Try listening to someone. Are you listening? Right now, what are you doing? Do you hear me or are you listening to me? And you're asking, what's the difference? Well, I'll tell you the difference. Hearing is not just... Hearing is actually just about the noise. You hear words, you hear sound vibrations. But listening is much deeper than that. In fact, think about conversations that you may have recently had with people. You ever notice how some people just want to talk and they interject, they interrupt the conversation just so, I don't know if it's to hear their own voice or to share their own opinion. Well, King Solomon has some words to say about that. And he says, Meshiv davar b'tara mishma, a person who responds before actually listening, it is actually folly, it is so foolish and an embarrassment. Now just understand, <coughs> excuse me, just understand, obviously it's impossible to respond to a question before hearing the before hearing the totality, before fully hearing the question. But what King Solomon is telling us here is that if you don't fully hear the question, we interrupt the question because we already know the answer. And that's actually a true phenomenon that exists. As Stephen Covey put it, most people don't listen with the intention to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. When's the last time somebody asked you something or was asking a question and before hearing the question fully, you already formulated an answer in your mind? That's one of the problems, the drawbacks, the challenges we have with communication. So it's obvious that we shouldn't be interrupting others, but that's not fully perhaps what King Solomon was getting at. I think he wanted to teach us something much deeper than that because it's not because we have a speaking problem and we speak before we're supposed to but because many people have actually a listening problem that I don't mean that you have to come to go to the audiologist and get tested although we do that sometimes at Chabad House at our seniors club hearing in Yiddish there's a, there's a, a word heron means to hear but there's another word der heron and der heron is about perceiving, about listening. It's not just about the sound waves and the atmosphere and the noise. Because if you are not wearing studio headphones as I'm wearing right now, and you were to just listen or use your ears to hear, you might hear the construction going on. You might hear the traffic driving around. You might hear music. You might even hear the sound vibrations coming through here on Chai FM. But in order to listen... You actually have to pay attention. You actually have to be open to the meaning of the words that I'm saying. And in a very real way, you have to enter into the experience of this show, which isn't so easy. That's why oftentimes I know people listen to Chai FM in their car or in their office or while exercising. It's a great thing to do to tune into the radio station. But it, are we paying attention now, you don't have to. It could be that it's just a way to pass time properly. I'm 
tuning into the station. But tuning in has another connotation, which is much deeper. It's not just about hearing the thoughts or the hearing the 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 words, but rather tuning into the thoughts, the feelings, the point of view that's being expressed, the sensations, the beliefs, whatever it is that whoever you're talking, whoever you're listening to is expressing, that you could actually tune into that. And this is something that many people tend to struggle with. So if you struggle with that, I assure you, you're certainly not alone. But the question is, what could we do to try to fix the challenge that we face with listening properly? And for that, I'm going to spend a couple of more minutes here today just talking about a few ideas that we could implement in our life to be better listeners. And that, of course, will lead to more effective communication. And we'll be right back after this Marketplace visit. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFN. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievan. In order for me to communicate effectively with you here, we got to pay the bills. So I'm going to do that very quickly. And we were talking here about listening. Did you hear those specials? Well, it's important for us to listen. And the first impediment that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks about listening is the fact that often people don't respect the other person with whom they are having a conversation. And if we don't respect that person, if we don't respect their opinion, whether on any matter or on the particular thing that you're discussing with them at the moment, then we're really not interested at all in what that person has to say. And we don't think it's going to enlighten us in any way. And that's a prevalent problem. However, there's a Mishnah in Perki Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, in which Ben Zoma teaches, he says, Ezehu Chacham. You want to know who is really wise? Halomed Mikal Adam. One who learns from every person. That's quite interesting, because think about it. A wise person is someone who has such brilliant intelligence and has so much wisdom uh, why does he have to learn what can anyone teach her so Benzama tells us that the opposite is true that anyone who is truly wise actually learns from any and every person that they encounter and as beautiful as that sounds very idealistic and populistic but if you put it under the magnifying glass you'll see how it actually stands up to scrutiny, how true it is. There's a Yiddish expression, a chacham learns sich from yedem menschen, a nar learns yedem menschen. A smart person learns from everyone, yet the fool tries to teach everyone. No doubt we all have what to teach, but we all have what to learn. We have to know which is our position, where we stand, Doug Larson put it this way, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. We could gain so much from listening. And one wonders, why is it the wise person that Benzoma says learns from everyone? Why should a wise person presume that someone who might be inferior to them intellectually, economically, socially, whatever point of the ladder, well, what do they have to teach him? And yet Benzama says that who is the wise person? Halomed Mikaladam, one who could learn from everyone. And so Benzama is teaching us that it's, it's not, it isn't possible for all the world's wisdom to be found with just inside one person, in one family, in one country, in one community, in one culture. 
We all can learn from so many others. Wisdom is the product of collective history, of experience of humankind over thousands of years. And only by interacting with other people from different backgrounds, from different fields of expertise, from different cultures, can we really gain fresh, novel insight into understanding our world. Some people, when they travel, they only like their food that they're used to. Now, of course, we already have the challenge of kosher, although that's the privilege of kosher, I should say. But it's really nice to experience the culture. And this is not a but as an exception to the rules of kosher. But you go to France, you could get some nice kosher French cuisine. And you go to China, you could see what the Chinese really eat. I'm sure the various Chabad Jewish centers throughout China, you could get a nice taste of Chinese cuisine, 100% glat kosher. And wherever we go in the world, you could really taste... Now, this isn't just about a culinary experience. I'm talking here about walking the streets. When you give you an example, I was coming back from the rabbinic conference a year and a half ago. We were in Israel, and I, to save some bucks, flew on Ethiopian air. When we landed in Addis Ababa, some of my colleagues chose to go to the hotel. Now, granted, they were exhausted. We had a very action-packed conference. Myself, I chose to take a little tour of Addis Ababa. How often we have a chance to do that? It was a great experience. It was wonderful. You learn about another culture. Got to go to the museum. And there's a lot we could learn from others around us. And what I'm trying to demonstrate is that we stand so much more to gain through conversing with people who are who we're less in common with. It doesn't mean we shouldn't spend quality time with those who we are most in common with. But people of dissimilar culture to us who speak differently, a different language, dress differently, maybe different socioeconomic status or profession. There's so much we could learn from other people. Interestingly, when God created the world, what does Hashem say? God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his image, in the image of God who created him. That's the verse. And I just want to tackle this verse before we conclude today's discussion. God says, let us make man in our image. Who's God referring to? That is there an assistant in creation? We know that a basic tenet of Jewish belief is that God doesn't have assistants or intermediaries. So Rashi explains that although the angels did not assist God in actually forming man, and although this use of the plural may give heretics a reason to rebel, the verse does not refrain from teaching proper conduct and the virtue of humility. If you look at Rashi's commentary there, Rashi tells us that a greater individual should consult with and take permission from a smaller. And as a refutation of the heretics, it's written immediately after that, God created man. It doesn't say they created. So Rashi points out very clearly that God, so to say, consulted with the angels, even though only God is the one who did the creating. So just imagine a CEO, an MD of a business, seeking advice from the domestic helper, from the janitors, regarding the new business plan, regarding the renovation of the building. Probably not a bad idea to actually seek the janitor's advice on the renovation, because the janitor knows the building better than anyone else. But seeking advice from someone who, so to say, much lower down on the corporate ladder than himself. And yet God saw the virtue of listening to others, even those less experienced and mature than ourselves, as being so important that God led by example. 
And God sought the opinion of the angels when it came to creation of man. So the Torah is even willing to use potentially heretically misleading language to teach us a lesson that if God could do it, so can we. I think it's a very important lesson that we could apply in our communication skills. And that is that unfortunately, one impediment to listening that we discussed today is the fact that oftentimes people don't respect the person with whom they're carrying on a conversation with. They don't respect their opinion, their ideas. And Benzoma teaches us that wisdom is the property of the collective, that it's something we can learn from everyone. And so by interacting with people, whether it's from different backgrounds or different socioeconomic status, we're different people, different countries. We gain a whole new, fresh and novel insight. And that is the beauty of listening. You listen to another. You don't just hear the words, but you may as well be an active listener actually hearing what an individual is saying. And we all have unique wisdom. We all have unique perspectives. We all have great ideas. And it's worthwhile listening to another person's idea. Granted, if you have the time, I see that the messages come through already uh, protect, protesting that. But certainly, if you have the time, then one should certainly do it. And someone who you see themselves as a Talmud Chacham, a student of wisdom, constantly learning. You could see yourself like Einstein, 30 years after discovering the theory of relativity, yet Einstein was still said, I'm, I'm only figuring it out now. It's quite amazing. I hope you will spend your week learning from all those around you. Seize every moment you have because we could learn from everyone. Wishing you a meaningful and purposeful Shabbos. Stay tuned for Fresh Thinking up next with Rabbi Shishler.